Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. This is where success happens. A member of the industry syndicate, Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to High Trust Coaching Live. I am Hope Warman. I'm the divisional president for High Trust Coaching, and I have with me today, <clears throat> excuse me, one of our High Trust coaches, Karen Crosby. So, hello, Karen. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. This is going to be so much fun. I just can't wait to get started. So I want to tell everybody a little bit about Karen for a moment. So Karen is a mortgage professional for more than 35 years. She has closed over 134 units year to date and closed $60 million with the business year to date. So congratulations, Karen. I know you've been working really hard on that. Um, since the year 2000, Karen has financed more than 4,000 families and closed in excess of $2 billion in mortgage transactions. Karen's market is in the LA area and also has a market in Arizona, which I wasn't aware of. Um, and Karen is, I won't say most importantly, but we are very proud to say that Karen is celebrating her one-year anniversary as a high-trust coach. So welcome, Karen. Thank you so much. So Karen, before we get started, um, that's quite that's quite a, a resume that you have there. So before we get started, would you say um, what are the one or two things that um, that has contributed to your success? You know, the most important thing that I learned over the years is not to overcommit. Uh -huh. I had my mentor tell me one time when I got out of control because business had taken off, mm -hmm. and I came in to find a note on my chair. And it simply said, under-commit, over-communicate, and exceed expectations. He never came into my office and said anything. He just left that on my chair. And I can tell you that was a huge turning point for me because from that moment on, I was able to gather my thoughts, uh -huh. start my time blocking, although I had not met Todd then, and start to put things back into perspective and I realized at that point that I had been, I was in a position where I was constantly saying, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. I'll call you back in 30 minutes. I learned that day, if you make a commitment, you have to follow through, not once, not twice, but every time. Mm -hmm. There are four things you control in your life, in my opinion, honesty, integrity, humility, and consistency. And from that point on, from that day on, those those three lines made me start to say, are you OK if I get back to you tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And that, of course, depends on what my volume is and what what else I'm working on. Mm -hmm. But that was I believe that is probably the largest thing in my career that has contrib contributed to my success and kept me moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting, Karen. I had started the in, in the industry in the mortgage banking environment, and then moved into a retail banking environment for mortgage with um, with a, a large organization. And one of I think one of my culture shocks when I went into that banking environment is how people didn't return calls. And it was just amazing. And I would pick up, I always picked up the phone because that's how I, that's what I was taught to do. And, you know, the client would always be so surprised that somebody picked up the phone and somebody actually answered or somebody said they were going to do something and actually did it, you know? So it kind of, it, would you say it probably grew your business because people could rely on you and people, what you said you were going to do, you did. It definitely grew my business. And I use that motto today. And I say that to everybody that I mentor or work with. Undercommit, 
over-communicate, exceed expectations. That's the best you can do. And that's all you can offer. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting, especially in today's environment. Um, I was talking to a client yesterday, one of our coaching members, and she was saying that she just got a new relationship with a new referral partner who is a big producer in her market area. And she was so, you know, excited to, you know, to get this new relationship. And he's working, he was working with one of the top producers in her market. And she said, the reason why this agent chose me was because of the fact that I communicated that even though we didn't close on time because of the volume of business that we're dealing with right now. She says the fact that he, he didn't have to call me, that I communicated on a regular basis with him, letting him know where we were, what our time frames were, and that type of thing, that, that he appreciated that more than not closing on time. I, I agree. And I run into that as well. And that's part of the, you know, that's part of the not over committing. Mm-hmm. When, when an agent calls me and says, can we close in 30 days, depending on which market we're in. You mentioned I'm in Los, Los Angeles or California and Arizona. Arizona's having a harder time getting appraisers to come out for properties right now, mm-hmm. depending yes. on the area, especially yeah. vacation areas like Havasu, yeah. places like that. So sometimes those appraisals are taking three weeks and I'm letting the agents know I can have your credit approval completed. I want you to know we probably will not close in 30 days. Mm-hmm. I'm setting mm-hmm. that, that, that expectation for you right now today. Mm-hmm. We'll push, we'll rush, we'll do whatever we can. But please be prepared and let everybody in this timeline know, let your seller know, let the buyer know this may not happen. So it's it's again, like you just said, setting the proper expectation and yeah. communicating and, and communicating, letting, yeah. them know, letting them know where they're at. We found yeah. an appraiser. He wants three hundred or more dollars. Do you want to do it? Do you not want to do it? It's right. then, it's, then it's their choice. Right, right. So let me ask you a question about that. So this is something that I think a lot of our coaching members or people in our industry kind of run into. So on the, the topic of communication, is there ever a time that you just plain old don't want to make that call? You know, something's gone south. Something's not going to close on time. Uh, the borrower got new credit. Now they don't qualify. Um, is, is there any t- ever a time that you don't want to make that call? And what does that call sound like? Oh, never. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> Even 35 years in business. I have been, I've always told my team, it's not your job to deliver the bad news. It's my job. So you come and let me know what it is and I will make the phone call. And I have to tell you, even today, there are, there are times when I will stare at my computer, I will put it on my calendar and I will snooze it. That's a tough call to make. But what I've learned is the faster, the sooner you make that call, the easier it is to give that information out. It's easier for somebody to swallow and process what they consider to be bad news or a setback when you give it to them straight and you give it to them, you know, sooner than later, mm-hmm. the longer you wait, no matter how hard it is and no matter what, you know, mom, I took the last cookie, right? The longer you wait to say it, the harder it is to do it. So usually I just had to make that phone call with somebody where we had parents co-signing for the son. The dad took all of the income and gave it to the mom last year. So oops, he doesn't make any money anymore. We had to start all load over again. Dad had to co-sign. I mean, mom, I mean, mom had to co-sign. Now mom stopped taking paychecks because they're self-employed. They wanted to make sure they had money left in the business during the pandemic. I'm like going, oh no. I <laughs> call <now>. <laughs> and I see them socially also sometimes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We work out together. So I said, mm-hmm. my phone call started with, I'm probably not going to be your favorite person anymore. Mm-hmm. And the second I got that out, it was so easy for me to tell him what happened. 
but it was so hard to try to figure out that first line was. So even now, 35 years in business, sometimes those aren't easy calls to make, but you have to make them. Mm -hmm. I only delayed that one one day. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And and so let's kind of get into this now. In other words, talking about fear and failure and that type of thing. So, um, you know, what we're going to be talking about is the failure trap. Um, perception and how to turn setbacks and failures into success strategies. Uh, In his book, Time Traps, Todd Duncan talks about the fact that failure is our biggest fear and something that most of us will avoid at all costs. He teaches us that this perception is a missed opportunity. Karen, talk to us a little bit. How can failure be a missed opportunity? I actually have found that failure is an opportunity to grow. And if we focus on the failure, then we're not taking care of the new business. Mm -hmm. So we're letting it paralyze us and we're focused on the wrong things. So if we can, if we can dial into why we failed or why we think we failed, okay, not every failure is something that we created. So Mm -hmm. failure can come in a form of all different ways. A failure Mm -hmm. can come in somebody who no longer qualifies, or they took out a new credit card and they have debt now that doesn't put them in a position Mm -hmm. to purchase the home that they're now in escrow for. Mm -hmm. So failure is not always a mistake that we made, Mm -hmm. but we are looked at to fix it no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. So if we focus on, on the problem and not on the solution, then we stop taking care of all the other business that's being dropped at our feet. So mm-hmm. we become paralyzed and we start to focus on it and we start to dwell on it. And then it becomes bigger than it really is. Mm-hmm. So if we can dissect it and if we can figure out what happened and where it happened, mm-hmm. what, what created the, the, what somebody's considering a failure in the first place. So if we can dissect that and, and break it down, then we know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So we can go back one step at a time and communicate mm-hmm. and say, here's where here's where it happened. Mm-hmm. here's either where it got missed or where we picked up on it or whatever. So when we do that, it opens up the doors for other opportunities mm-hmm. as opposed to being focused on the wrong thing. Then you're not going to see what's being dropped at your feet. You're not going to see or hear the phone calls that are coming in because your mind is, is clogged up with this issue. that mm-hmm. probably is not as big as we think it is. Right. Right. You know, one of the things that I learned early on in my career was always taking 100% responsibility. Um, and when we take 100% responsibility, um, then we, you know, we own we own the, the, the problem and we also own the solution. And um, so at the point in time that we, you know, t- get away from pointing a finger and take 100% responsibility, irrespective of who, what, where, or, wh- who, or when, um, then we are we can also own the solution, and I think that that's really important. That was also uh, incredibly empowering for me when I kept saying 100% responsibility. What are we going to do about this? How are we going to manage this? How we're going to be you know? And so when I was making that you know that telephone call or when I had that failure, it was this is what happened and here are my solutions, right? So I always came in with the, you know, always made sure that I came in with the solution. This is how we're going to manage this. This is how we're going to solve for this. This is how we're going to uh, resolve this and move forward. And um, so we kind of just streamed right through it. So that's really kind of very important. And you're absolutely right, Karen. I think that it's really important to take a step back, you know, and I don't think a lot of us really do that or many of us do this to actually take a step back and look at a failure or a setback or something that went south and said, okay, 
What, what could I have done differently? What will I, what will I do differently? Because I think that we get tested and the, it, this, this issue will come up for us again until we've solved for it, right? That's, that's correct. And the, the other thing is by taking 100% responsibility, I do the same thing. Because mm -hmm. when you do that, it, it doesn't allow them to attack you. Somebody can be upset. A client can be upset and frustrated. But it's our job to bring the solution to the table. Mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah. sometimes the solution is you have to wait a month or you have to wait two months. You know, you spent your down payment or you took on new debt. We never know what, you know, you and I don't have a specific what the failure is, right? Mm -hmm. But by taking 100% responsibility, even when I know I've discussed don't open new credit cards, don't go buy new furniture, whatever. If I say to them, I must not have been clear when we had our first conversation, our initial conversation, I take responsibility for not making it more clear to you that that was not going to work for us. Mm -hmm. So you're right. When yeah. you do that, it takes the attack out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we do have to, we do have to have thick skin and that is no matter what happens or basically who really ultimately is responsible. Mm -hmm. They have to have a scapegoat. People then become frustrated. When they become frustrated, they become angry. They're disappointed. Mm -hmm. So now they have to have an attack go into attack mode sometimes because now they're defensive. Mm -hmm. The best thing that we can do when there is a mistake or something that has failed in, in what we're working on is do not become defensive. You have to sit back and say, you're absolutely correct. You are absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. and let them vent. And most of the time I find that they'll calm down, mm -hmm. but you are, you are correct. Go to them with the solution. Right, exactly. And I think we just need to own it. You know, I've talked to coaching members um, when something's gone south and something has gone awry and I, you know, listen for, you know, you know, listen through the whole process and I'm already hearing what could have been done, what could, what could have been done differently. If I tell them what could have been done differently, it's probably not going to impact in them in a way that if they come up with it themselves. So my question to them is always, okay, this is where we are. What could we have done differently to avoided this? Um, what could we? What will we do going forward? And you know, how can we set the client's expectations better? How can we make sure that they understand, you know, whatever this, whatever those things are, so that we just keep fine tuning and fine tuning our business, which is what I think you've done, Karen, in your business, is that you have just kept fine tuning and fine tuning and fine tuning until you've got now a very, very well oiled machine. I feel like I do, but like I said, we have days also where we feel like we can't keep up with it. But mm -hmm. the, other, the other thing I like what you said is talking to a coaching member and saying, okay, now we know what happened. How could we have fixed this and start to set that? I actually also do that with my clients. So not just mm -hmm. my clients, but with my actual mortgage clients, mm -hmm. I will say, okay, here's where we're at. Work with me on this. Let's, let's put our heads together. How do you think we can solve this? Can we get a co-signer? Can we pay this off? Can we work on this? And when you enlist their help and you go to them and ask for their opinion, mm -hmm. there's a saying that people support what they create. So if they believe that they were part of the solution, then they're going to support that solution. And the rest of the fear of making the phone call, the fear of talking about and apologizing and taking responsibility, that's now on the back burner. And what you have this person doing with you is helping you solve the problem mm -hmm. and being on board with it and being on board with the solution. And mm -hmm. that makes everything go back on track again. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that's really important. 
Yeah. So Karen, you know, and that's such a really important point, which just takes me to my next question. So how can fear of failure hold you back from success? Just kind of like <clears throat> something goes south, you've had a failure, you didn't succeed in one area or another, there is a setback in one area or another. And, you know, how can that really stand? And you're just decided to just keep moving forward and not deal with it, just keep moving forward and just kind of pass right over, gloss right over it. How can that get in the way of your success? Like I mentioned in the first, you know, a couple of minutes ago was when we fail, we often become paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And there are two ways, either you're afraid to jump back into the game, or like you said, what happens if we don't address it? And we jump back into the game and we pretend like nothing happened. Right. It's going to happen over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand, first of all, if you don't, if you don't focus on and dial into why it happened in the first place, mm -hmm. you're going to continue to run into those same problems, whether it's you making the same mm -hmm. mistakes and failing to communicate properly or right. failing to set proper expectations. Right. If you don't figure out why you failed and had that issue in the first place, it is mm -hmm. going to continue to rear its ugly head yes. over and over and over again. So mm -hmm. the hardest thing is, is that we need to address it, which is what we talk to our, our coaching clients about. Mm -hmm. if we don't break it down and figure out which things to throw out. Then we find ourselves like a hamster on a wheel. Mm -hmm. we were, we're constantly running to fix things and put fires out and we cannot be productive. So mm -hmm. we miss a lot of business opportunities because the critical starts to overshadow the important. <clears throat> Everything becomes critical because of that one thing or those two things that you did not go back and address, mm -hmm. take responsibility for, figure out how not to do it again, and then move mm -hmm. forward professionally. Yeah. That's yeah. what I found. Yeah. And I've, I've also found that once you've, you, you've gone, you've gone back and, you know, set a solution, reset, reset, you know, what it's going to look like, you know, next time around. Um, and so that it doesn't occur again. I think that there's, there's a level of confidence that starts to build within someone when they've, you know, they've had a failure, they've resolved it. They figured out what they're going to do going forward. What are my now, or what are my steps going forward? And now, they have a level of confidence knowing that when this comes up again, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to fall in this trap again. Correct. I like that. That's, that's true. You, you do get your confidence. You do build your confidence. Mm -hmm. You know how to address it. You can see it coming. And when you see something like starting to come and slide sideways, you can jump in and fix it long before it gets to that point. Mm -hmm. The opportunity now the experience you have the you have the information you know how to go in and fix it before it gets to that point that is that's very true yeah i like exactly. that yeah exactly so let's shift it a little bit let's have you know shift this conversation a little bit karen and let's talk about risk and mindset for a minute um todd talks about the three risks that are worth taking worth taking for success those three uh, risks are develop an impossible vision become accountable to others and set exceedingly high standards. So Karen, why is why why an impossible vision? Why is that important? For me personally, just for what I found and especially when I started reading Todd's books and going to Sales Academy and attending Sales Mastery mm -hmm. and then of course being becoming a coach, right? An impossible vision pushes us to explore and experience risks to meet a goal that you or others think are not possible. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you expand your horizons 
and you realize that it may not have been impossible at all. So in doing that, you learn more, you become more valuable to your clients, your confidence level grows. And again, you're, then, you're, then your peripheral vision grows, right? So you, mm-hmm. you what, what you or others think is an impossible vision, but then you expand that. Now, you're, now your vision's out here and you're not so focused on this is all I can get done. You actually get to see that, wow, I actually can go that way and I can go that way. And you're, what you thought you could accomplish, I, I, think you, I think at least for me, I ended up accomplishing more than I think I can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when somebody tells me that's impossible, I learn to go, oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, being a brain surgeon is not impossible. It's not something that I had a vision of doing. Right. But, but I think if we push ourselves and we have the right focus and the right passion about something that what mm-hmm. somebody considers an impossible vision, including ourselves, mm-hmm. we then have that experience. And then it's euphoric. And then you realize it was so exciting. And look what I've accomplished. And it makes you create what appears to be yet another mm-hmm. impossible vision. And that is mm-hmm. pushing yourself. You want to hit 20 million, you want to hit 40 million, but then you've hit 50 million instead. Right. Because you implemented these programs and you pushed yourself to take that risk. I think it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. And it's really interesting this year, 2020, that, you know, all of majority of our coaching members, if not all of our coaching members have increased their production and their business 2x, 3x, 4x times. And, you know, one of the things that I keep bringing to their attention is, well, now you know what's possible. Correct. You know, so now you know it's possible. And I'm wondering, as we start moving into business planning for 2021, um, what the conversation is going to be and if it's going to be, well, if I can, if I can you know, mirror what I've done in 2020, um, I'll be happy. And I, I don't know that I'll accept that. I don't know that I'll accept that vision. Right. Right. We want to push them. We want to push them to be the best version of themselves. And one of the things that I tell my coaching clients when they talk to me about my volume is I compete with Karen Crosby. I don't compete with the guy next to me. I don't compete with the guy across the hall. I congratulate them. I think they're amazing. Mm -hmm. I compete with myself. I push myself because I know what my goals are. Mm -hmm. 35 years in business. I am not 35 years old or 30 years old starting in the business, have a family to support. I'm in a different position. Mm -hmm. So now I want to take care of my clients and I want to make sure that they're taken care of and that I am their go-to person. But I also want to train possibly a few years from now. I'm not ready yet, but possibly mm-hmm. a few years from now, the person who's going to succeed, you know, be my successor. I want them to start to see these things and have these visions and have these dreams. So yeah, exactly. So I compete with me to make myself better. And that's what I tell my coaching clients. Don't worry about the guy next to you, what volume they're doing worry about how you're implementing your ideas, how you are envisioning, you know, your volume and creating your impossible dreams and visions, Mm -hmm. set your goals and focus on those. Don't watch the guy who's running next to you because he could trip and fall. He could make a mistake. He could, he could fail to address the failure, right? Yes. Focus on what you are talking about. Focus on what you want to do and don't worry about what the guy next to you is doing. Stay in your own lane and, and follow through with your commitments and, and, you know, your communication with your clients. All right. It's kind of circling back to your goals. And I would imagine, Karen, if you are competing with yourself and if you, you are your own competition, that I would imagine you keep that bar pretty high. 
Definitely. I do. <laughs> when you don't hit the number. We are our, our, we're our own worst credit critics, right? We absolutely are. And people will say to me, when you asked me this time what my volume was, I had to look it up because I don't, I didn't know. It's not something that I'm focused on. I'm focused right. on right now, like everybody else in this environment. If you've been doing this for a long time and you've been keeping in touch with your clients and you have addressed your failures with them and you have moved on and you have set your goals accordingly, I currently am doing 10 to 12 hours a day, which that's not the norm in the business. And of mm -hmm. course, what I've talked about this as you've coached us as coaches, and that is we're keeping track of our coaching hours so that we can figure out how much we are making per hour, right? Mm -hmm. So we can make ourselves mm -hmm. more efficient. So right now, what I'm finding is that because of the pandemic, clients who are calling, so many of them are working from home. They are coaching, young, uh, teaching young children, things that they did not sign up for, that they were not anticipating doing. Right. So sure. Most of my phone calls that maybe would have been six or seven minutes to answer a question are 15 to 20 minutes. Anxiety is high. Stress levels high. Tempers are short. So in order to keep my business and my commitments with my clients, I have got to spend time with them, let them know everything's okay, listen to their story, mm -hmm. but it's me more hours during the day right now to get mm -hmm. my done. And mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. Now, mm -hmm. this time in my career, that's what's necessary for me to keep the relationship with them going. Mm -hmm. And that's part of, for me, that's part of my setting my higher standards. That is being available to them. And if the first 10 minutes of the call is just, just venting about how they're trying to keep their six-year-old in front of the computer for school, then we can talk about business. And I'm right. okay working those extra hours right now because I think it's important for all of us to make ourselves available, be you know compassionate with what they're going through. And so, um, and that's to keep my goals. That's to also to keep the rest of my clients intact and my business running. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, mm -hmm. that's how I'm working with that. Right. Terrific. So um, become accountable to others. Why is that important? Why is, you know, why is that a risk? to become accountable to others or, or you know, a, an important risk to take um, in your success? When you become accountable to others, coworkers, mentors, a coach, it's easier to fail if you haven't told someone that you're going to do something. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you become accountable to others and you put it out there and you say, this is my goal this year, or yes. it's my goal to lose 15 pounds this year, right? The minute mm -hmm. you put that mm -hmm. out there to somebody, that person has a right to call you on it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with coaching. When you put it out there and you're being accountable to somebody, then I will send an email or a text to one of my coaching clients. You haven't right. done your metrics. Haven't right. seen you do your homework. Right. I, sent you, I sent you some actions. Haven't seen you come through on those. It makes us, it makes us be, well, accountable, right? Right, exactly. When you tell someone <laughs> you want to do something, then that other party has a right to come in and step in and say, I don't see that you're doing what you said you were going mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. and that's no different than telling, that's no different than telling, for me telling you, I'm going to show up on this call this morning and then not being here, right? Sure. I mean, it's making us be responsible with our time blocking and mm -hmm. with our goals. I think we right. reach our goals better when we tell somebody 
you know. Exactly. I think that it's also, it also creates the momentum and, you know, increase that accountability um, that, you know, that obviously Todd speaks about in the law of leverage, right? You know, if you want to really achieve your goals, tell someone else, share your goals with someone else that you're going to achieve these goals by when, right? By that time. So that, you know, that you will actually, you actually will, you actually will achieve that goal. So the last thing is, and we're starting to get out of running out of time here. This has been such an amazing conversation, but the last thing is set exceedingly high standards. So Karen, speak for a second around, you know, what does that mean to set and why is that important to success and why is that an important risk to take? I think this is, I think this for me personally goes hand in hand with the impossible vision. Uh When we set exceedingly high standards, it pushes you to reach beyond what you thought possible Mm-hmm. And failing to meet that goal typically will not have major consequences. Mm-hmm. So if you set a really high standard for yourself and you only get three quarters of the way, you still have improved yourself. Mm-hmm. So the higher if you set a mediocre, if you set a me- mediocre standard, it's not hard to get to. You don't mm-hmm. become a better person. For me, the higher I set my standards, the higher it pushes me to get there. And if my standard is set up here, but I only make it here, I'm still that much better than where I started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that part is important. And to also know, again, it doesn't have major consequences. If you don't get there, it right. just makes you that much better. So that's what setting exceedingly high standards means to me is to right. just be the best right. version of myself and to continue to push myself to be better at what I do. Right. Well, you know, the thing is, is the first time that I learned this from Todd, you know, it, it, it really kind of melt. It, it, it obviously and impacted me in the same way that it did you. But I took it another step where Todd is talking about the fact that when we set exceedingly high standards, that bleeds into and impacts the clients that we work with, you know, the, the, the referral partners that we work with, um, the people that we surround ourselves with. And, you know, so for setting those high standards, it becomes, you know, our, our core values, which are some of the things that you talked about in the beginning of this, in the beginning of our conversation, you know, high communication, integrity, honesty, those things that you can control within, within, you know, within your world. Um, And those are those exceedingly high standards that, you know, that, that these, this is the filter through which everything goes through all my decisions are made and, um, and how I'm going to do business and how, um, how, what my partners need to look like, right? What do those relationships mm-hmm. need to look like? And when they don't look like that, um, that will you, will you modify your standards or will you continue to move towards that high standard? Right. And, and you got to continue to move toward that high exactly. standard. Exactly. Exactly. You can't, if you, the minute you modify it, everything that you've put out there, and that's part of telling somebody, you know, being, being accountable to somebody, the second you set that standard, and you put it out there and people watch you, people are watching moves and things yes. that you say and do every day and we don't know it. Yes. And it's that same line of when you step out, out of your car into a parking lot and there's a piece of paper. Integrity is who you are when nobody's watching. Do you pick it up or do you step over it, right? right. I've never forgotten that statement. Those are things people told you, I don't know, you're six, 10, 12, right? 15. Mm-hmm. But I always think of those things. Integrity is who you are when nobody's watching. And that's where I set my standards. And that's where I set my vision mm-hmm. is, to, is to be the person that I want everybody to believe that I am, but also to act on that, also to be that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that. So, Karen, you um, 
I've been a coach with us for a year. So congratulations. And thank you for being a part of High Trust Coaching. We've really had, it's been a tremendous amount of fun to have you join the High Trust Coaching faculty. Um, you've got this monster business, been business for 35, you know, 30, 35 years. Tell me why, what made you decide to become a High Trust Coach? And how has it impacted you in your business? I believe that anybody in our business who's successful has not gotten to our levels without the help of somebody else, period. I don't mm -hmm. care who you are. Mm -hmm. Everybody has had somebody in their life who's had somebody to push you, somebody to hold you accountable, somebody to teach you, somebody to come alongside you and build you up. Mm -hmm. And so as I was moving up through the ranks business-wise and professionally, the more business that I started to, to see myself doing and the, the higher my numbers grew, I used to tell my team, the more our name gets out there and the more business we do, the more accountable we are to everybody who's watching us. And people are watching everything we're doing. Now they know who we are. Now they know our name. So now we have to be, we have to stay, um, you know, integrity. We have to meet our goals. We have to have better communication. We have to be more polite. We have to be more respectful. Mm -hmm. So in, in doing those things, I feel very strongly that somebody who's been doing this for years and has become a top producer. I had people helping me. I believe now that it's my mission and my responsibility to take that information on, pass it on to somebody else and help them be able to come to, you know, reach those goals and learn, learn how to overcome failures. And I think it's our job to mentor that person underneath us. I think it makes sense to help them grow and it's exciting to watch them grow I don't know. I just, I start to get really almost emotional about it because yes. uh -huh. I just, I love so much what I do. And I think, I think that the more volume you have, the more you need to make yourself accessible to other people. Right. People open my door every day or call me. How would you solve this problem? How would you fix this? You know, coworkers, it's my job to help them because when I had those issues 30 years ago, I didn't know how to solve them on my own. Sure. And if we don't help somebody else, and that's why I wanted to become a coach. If you don't give back to people who gave to you, I don't believe we get to keep what we have. I don't believe that we get to keep growing. Mm -hmm. And when people are looking at you, you want to be respected. When your name is out there, you need to be available and you need to give them information to help them grow their business. Because that $10 million producer next to you could be the next $100 million producer mm -hmm. with the right coach, with the right information, with right. the right help and the right push. Right. So for me... When I came to Sales Academy for the first time and you guys were talking about coaching, I practically ran and jumped in your arms and said, <laughs> I want to do this. I want to do this because this is what this is what we're about. We need right. to be able to take our information and exactly. our passion and we need to pass that on to somebody else exactly. and help them feel the same way and get to those same levels. Exactly. Well, Karen, you know, you you bring you know, so much value, immense value to our coaching, to the industry itself. Um, we're so pl pleased and proud and honored to have you as a high trust coach and your passion in your heart is, you know, I think is what, you know, really kind of comes through and everything that you do, everything that you do. So I want to thank you um, on behalf of Todd Duncan and myself um, for being a high trust coach. We are in the process right now of growing the high trust coaching faculty. Um, so if you feel as though you qualify or you have the same passion, 
passion and heart that Karen has, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, hope.forman at hightrustcoaching.com. And um, we would, I'd love to have that conversation with you. So um, key takeaways, um, Karen, anything you want anybody to kind of t- take away and implement this week? You know, I just want to say one thing and that on a key, key takeaway is look at what, what you consider to be your biggest failure or most recent failure and try to determine why it happened Mm -hmm. and what you can do to avoid making that happen twice. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I want to end with is make a mission statement for yourself. My husband and my son and I created a mission statement that we had painted over the front door of our house. And when we leave every day, it says, be humble, make a difference, make life better for others each and every day. And that is what I try to do. And I think sometimes that helps us overcome failures if we stop and we think about how we're going to make somebody else's life better. It helps us then learn how to address and how to make that telephone call. Mm -hmm. So takeaway is look at your most recent failure and try to determine why it happened. Don't avoid it. Write it down if you have to. Write down, break it down and figure out how not to do it again. But don't be afraid to hit it head on. Hit it head on. Right. That's wonderful. I think that's a great great takeaway. And the only other thing I would probably add is everyone has one thing that they've been avoiding, not doing, you know, maybe, you know, maybe not calling that top producing agent to, you know, to get an appointment, maybe um, not doing a, a, not doing a coaching live, not doing a, um, you know, you know, a video or a, you know, a zoom call with the referral partners, whatever that one thing is, I ask you to move through the fear this week and do it anyway. And, send me an email and tell me, tell me all about it. I want to hear. I think that's great. I know we're running out of time. I just want to yes. say one more thing. Okay, honey. That My mentor years ago said to me, he asked me to do something and a coworker overheard our conversation. That's when we mailed applications. We didn't have email mm-hmm. and he asked me to mail an application. A coworker overheard the conversation said, Oh, I'm going to go over there. Anyway, I'll drop it off. Two weeks later when that hadn't happened, my boss came to me and said, why didn't you do that? I said, oh, well, so-and-so was going to take care of it. He looked at me and said, if I have to do it myself, what do I need you for? And rather than cry, just so you guys know, there's no crying in mortgage. <laughs> there's no crying in mortgage. No crying in mortgage. I stood there and looked at him and it took me a second. And this is the same as a failure, right? I had to get a hold of myself and control my voice. And I said, you are right. And I walked out of his office in my head. I said, you are never going to say that to me again. And mm-hmm. he never had to say that to me again. And that was 35 years ago. Exactly. That was, that was one of the other biggest things that I learned going through this business. Yeah. So when you have a failure, I think, you know, the great thing to say to yourself is never again. Correct. Right? Never Correct. again. So I want to thank everybody for joining us. Good morning, Cindy. I see you come on board. Uh, it's great. Cindy Tomsack is one of our high trust coaches. It's great to see our high trust coaches join us. So welcome, Cindy. It's great to see you. Um, and thank everybody for joining us today. Thank you, Karen, for your time and energy. I know you're very, very busy. And I loved you know, this conversation with you. And make it an amazing day. Make it an amazing week. And have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. This is Todd Duncan. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Did you know that Elon Musk has a brain coach? If a billionaire entrepreneur who's redefining the automobile and space travel industries has a coach, I think everybody needs a coach to become the best version of themselves. You may not have dreams of launching a rocket into space, but if you want to take your business and your life to the next level in less time with less stress, 
I encourage you to schedule a free coaching call with one of our certified coach consultants today. It's absolutely free, and I believe it's the opportunity you need to have your best life ever. Visit HighTrustCoaching.com or click the link in the show notes below to schedule today.